0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator. Your Kansas City Chiefs extended a 51-7 run all the way up to 82-14 to against the Houston Texans. Before Andy Reid graciously let off the gas. The Kansas City Chiefs were up 31-7 late in the game. End it 34-20. Starting the season off 1-0. What a fantastic start to the season. Lots to talk about. And here to talk about it with me are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina.
2: Maddie Lane, football is back, baby. We are here. We are going. The Chiefs kicked off the season I, I couldn't be happier right now. We have this banger new intro for you guys on this uh, recap show. So I, I'm excited. That song got me hyped again after I was kind of coming down from the uh, game that just happened. So I'm feeling good. Craig Stout is here with us. He's wearing a nice crisp white tee that I think he, uh, he had to change out of because we might record this. And if that's the case, he just doesn't want to flaunt himself to everybody. But uh, Craig, how are you doing tonight, buddy?
0: I am doing phenomenal. You guys... Spags was fun today (laughs) I get fun tape to break down in week one it wasn't vanilla I think it's fun for everybody so yeah let's get into it I'm so excited to talk about real football
1: yeah let's just go around the horn real quick and just get quick thoughts overall on the game and we'll jump into some things Maddie, kick us off what you think
2: I thought that for three quarters the Chiefs made it look easy Outside the first drive, it felt like the defense got to be on exactly what you need to do against the Texans offense. Offensively, everything was easy. I think the Texans made the Chiefs dink and dunk, but they had no problem doing so. Outside of a couple drops, the Chiefs offense looked unstoppable. I think this is what you want to see as a Chiefs fan. I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, you couldn't be any more excited for the start of the season than what you just saw.
0: Yeah, it was still a little bit sloppy, and yet the story of the game is the rookies. Uh, so many rookies contributing at so many different levels on offense and on defense, and even Tommy Townsend, who looked very good as well, special teams beat over here, but the the rookies were able to step, on, step in in week one and make a serious impact on this game. That is amazing. Hat tip to Brett Veach, the scouting department, and the coaching staff for getting those guys on the field in a COVID year, no less.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it, a team that is running it back, that's bringing back 20 to 22 starters, that, uh, you know, just is coming off a Super Bowl, to get that kind of contribution early and an injection of talent from your rookie class is so exciting. And there's still, there's so much upside in this class yet to be realized or seen. There's there's so much more that this, this class is going to be able to do, I think. But overall, I just thought just an extremely workmanlike performance from this team um, especially offensively. I just, you know, extremely efficient. When the game was, when when Andy Reid had his foot on the gas, Clyde Edwards Alaire was averaging more per carry than Patrick Mahomes per pass attempt and Deshaun Watson per pass attempt. And we got to start there. Clyde Edwards Alaire, 25 carries, 138 yards, and a touchdown. Looked every bit of a first round running back. Just fantastic start as a runner to his career, Maddie. Yeah.
2: And if you remove those last kind of two goal line series that they were trying to pound the rock and there was some power running, they were still trying to run some outside zone down the goal line. It, just, it wasn't working. So you remove those and Clyde Edwin-Tiller's stats look. Great, sorry, Clyde Edwards Elair. We were asked to pronounce his name correctly when we did this. Clyde Edwards Elair. And he looked great. That cut he hit on Justin Reed was just absolutely Mm. filthy on that long touchdown run. He's coming off breaking a tackle from a linebacker. He plants one time, cuts it. Justin Reed's shoulder fell over. Yeah, his shoulder fell out of place, even though he (laughs) broke his ankles. That's how filthy the cut was. Like, he looked phenomenal running the ball. There was a couple plays where I'm pretty sure he ran underneath the legs of offensive linemen. That's how small the hole was that he got through and still would pick up five, six yards. He did the same thing he did at LSU for the Chiefs. I mean, it was fun to watch. I think everybody's just as excited for him. And we didn't even see him using the passing game. Woo! He got one target in the passing game at the end, of the very end of the game. That was it. They didn't use him vertically. They didn't use him on screen plays. They purposefully hid that. For a reason, because they were having everything else work perfectly fine.
0: And it's not like Andy buried the screen game this week. It was good. The screen game was very good and very creative. He brought and the wide they...
2: middle screen out
1: week one. Oh my goodness! You and... Like that's that's oh. an Andy staple. You see it a couple times a year. The orbit motion from the running back, or from the from the receiver, swing out of the back. Oh, you just oh, we just got the best tight end in football lost in the middle of the field. When it felt like they yep.
2: had Kelsey hold the block a little longer on this one, I mean, maybe that was just a personal decision. But he held that block for a while before finally pushing the edge on out there.
0: But Clyde edwards hilaire didn't factor into that at all. I mean. He took ankles not just from Justin Reed, but several linebackers with cuts in the backfield. Guys, stuff that you're not seeing. Those open field ones are the ones that make the highlights, but the ones in the backfield to set guys up and you know play with their eyes, play with these running backs, and hit the open holes. There were plenty of those. You got to see what an impact, perfect fit in Andy Reed's Clyde Edwards'
1: Hilaire was. I tweeted, out, I tweeted out during the game. You know, I think last year you saw a lot of yards left on the field. Mm-hmm. That includes Super Bowl hero Damian Williams. Clyde Edwards-Alaire didn't leave those on the field. Outstanding vision. Uh, there was one I think it was like an outside zone. Just really exceptional vision. Ba- patience for a young guy to have that kind of patience as a runner. There's so many positive indicators there with him as, in the running game. And I'm just telling you, the passing game is where he is going to shine. We have not seen that yet from him. I know Maddie just got done saying that, but I, I, honestly, that is going to be... that. That's such a big piece of what makes him so special, and we didn't even see it, which should scare the rest of the National Football League. Absolutely.
0: And on top of all of that, when we went through Clyde Edwards-Elair throughout this entire offseason, we said, you know, we'll see what he does in the running game. You know, it's going to help, but it's not going to be what they lean on. Clyde Edwards-Elair is the youngest player in NFL history with 130 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in his NFL debut. Wow. Right there. That's uh, NFL history tonight on the ground for Clyde Edwards-Helaire. That's impressive. Very
1: impressive. Great start to his career and it's only getting better. This is this is week 1. This mm-hmm. is just the beginning. Just wait till he starts getting included in the passing game a little bit more. There's a lot more there. I think there's just a lot more left on the on the table for this for this well, offense. And I wanted
2: I to think... piggyback onto the Clyde Edwards-Elair talk with going to Kolechio Simile, but we actually got an update on the injuries while we're recording this. So, I mean, I figured we might as well talk about the injuries now. It's kind of big news. Go for it. So, Charverius Ward has a fractured hand. So, I don't know how detrimental that'll be. I feel like it's just different for each player. Alex Okafor, slight hamstring strain, slight with Andy Reid could mean who knows what, and the <laughs> bad one Colin Saunders a dislocated elbow. I think obviously you have to wait for an MRI and everything, but it all depends on what kind of extra damage there. That could be the longest lasting one. I mean, what do you guys think that which one of those is going to affect the Chiefs the most?
1: Well, I think you, I think you got to. Start with Charvarius because there's a lack of experience at the cornerback position now and a lack of depth there. Bo Peake Keys will be active next week if Charvarius week Charvarius Ward can't go. And Charvarius Ward is he's twenty-one games into his National Football League career, twenty-two maybe, and he was the most experienced corner on this football team from a defensive perspective. That's terrifying. Uh that's that's really rough. Uh the good news is Legarius Sneed. Oh, I'm sorry. Legereus Snevis uh, <laughs> is on this football team. We'll get there in a second. Craig, I want to hear, do you, did you, do you think that's the biggest impactful uh, potential loss from the injury perspective? Absolutely.
0: If if Rashad Breland is here, I feel very confident in what Lejarius Need did tonight to kind of roll forward for a couple of games. Not that Rashad Fenton was bad. There was just definite miscommunication there. Him and Antonio Hamilton had a miscommunication late on one of the late touchdown drives to the Texans. But I mean, it's not a situation there where you can afford to lose another guy because you have such you know, lack of depth there. And you're getting ready to go against two good wide receivers that the Chargers
1: have next week. All right, let's just go ahead and talk about LeJarius Sneed a little bit. Uh, that's a... That that was, I think, overall, you've got to be thrilled with what you saw out of the fourth-round pick from the Kansas City Chiefs, Maddie.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the big thing is LeJarius Sneed looked like a rookie at times. There were some plays where he looked a little lost, where he looked a little hesitant, or the game speed, he was still trying to catch up to it. But he looked good. And that might sound like a contradiction, but he looked like he belonged out there talent-wise as an athlete, as, a, as in terms of his skill level as a player. You could just tell he was catching up mentally to the game, and that's absolutely fine. He made a couple nice plays on the ball in the air. You could see he was actively looking for it. Then there were some times where he took some poor angles as a tackler or maybe did lose the ball or where the sideline was when he was in coverage with his back to the quarterback. And that's to be expected. All in all, I feel pretty good about LeJay's need from this game. It's an interesting matchup with the Houston Texans wide receivers because of their speed. They're not the most technical or physical receiver group, but they can threaten you vertically at any point in time from anywhere on the field. So I think he had a pretty good first showing. I mean, I feel good about him keeping this job until Breland comes back. Then I'd like to see him stay in the rotation, though, going forward. I don't think that he looked bad enough to just completely stop seeing the field.
0: Listen, if that's week one and there's a growth curve here... He's not giving that job back. Like, that's a good week one. Right before we recorded this, we were talking about how, yes, he looked a little bit like a rookie. But I said he looked like a round two rookie. Not not a round four rookie, which is where the Chiefs took him. He looked like a player that deserved to be taken very early in this draft. You saw him going up against Fuller there. Fuller got kind of a handful of his face mask and turned his head a little bit on one of those press reps. And LeJarious Sneed fought through it got back in phase, turned and located the ball, and knocked it away. That's phenomenal. That's something that you didn't get to see the Chiefs corners do very much last year. That is top-notch athleticism. A Tier 1 C-bat, if he would have been a cornerback that tested the combine, he would have been Tier 1. That's what you get when you get a Tier 1 athlete, and especially a competitive one like LeJarius Sneed. I think that that arrow is pointing way, way, way up if his football character is what Steve Spagnuolo thinks it
1: is, because that was a confidence boosting game for Legarius Sneed. Well, and the Texans came out and challenged Legarius Sneed right off the bat. Mm-hmm. They were going right after the rookie. They were gonna. They were hellbent on trying to, uh, you know, attack and challenge a young, inexperienced secondary. Whoever was lining up across Trivarius Ward was gonna be seeing more playing, significant playing time than they ever had. And what happened? LeJerry Sneed made plays on the football. It wasn't perfect. And it wasn't always pretty, but it was effective. He was in position or in good enough position. And he was able to make a play on the football. And then he was able to get a turnover. And whether or not, yes, it was it was floated right to him. It the ball finds you when you're doing the right things. Mm-hmm. And Charverry or and, and Sneed was doing the right thing. Uh and a, a lot of snaps this week. Very competitive. Uh, I think you got to be thrilled with this as a starting point. Confidence booster, building off of the big jump from week one to week two. It's always a big jump. Really positive, encouraging signs for a Lejarius Sneed. My bold prediction for uh, for the Chiefs this year on the, on the Arrowhead Pride article that came out this week was that LeJarious Sneed's not going to let that starting spot go. If he keeps building on what he's doing, he may not. Bashad really may be riding the pine, depending on what happens with, you know, well, not riding the pine. He just may not be starting. He may re- see a reduced amount of snaps. Uh, but really, you got to be excited about that. One other thing you got to be excited is what Chris Jones did in the past game. Uh, an absolutely dominant performance from Chris Jones. Also, Frank Clark, we'll get to him too. Uh, but you saw the interior pressure and production from a Chris Jones, Maddie.
2: Yeah, Chris Jones started the game pretty rough. Those first couple series, I mean, especially as a run defender, it, Chris Jones, like we would expect, was not a great versed the run. He was getting blown off the ball. He wasn't being able to land some of those dynamic big play run stuffs that he's known for, and he was the help part of the problem for giving up some big gashes up the middle. Once the Texans had to settle in and start passing the ball, though, he became pretty dominant. I mean, anytime Chris Jones was one-on-one with Zach Fulton, it was an incredibly quick win for him. He was putting pressure on Deshaun Watson and super fast. And I think we said we're going to talk about Frank Clark in a little bit, but you got to credit Clark and Spagnola a little bit. They did a great job of getting Chris Jones one-on-one with Zach Fulton. Just about any time they wanted to, they got that matchup isolated in the middle there of the offensive line, and Chris Jones made the Texans pay for it every single time. Yeah, Chris
0: Jones was excellent. Excellent pass rusher. That's why they paid him. That's exactly why they gave him the amount of money that they gave him right there. I thought the defensive line looked pretty good when it was healthy. Uh, obviously Colin Saunders went out early, but I thought Alex Okafor looked pretty spry coming off the edge there early until the hammy kind of, you know, acted up on him. And then as the game went along, Mike Dana, actually big contributor this week, lots of snaps, having to step in for some injuries. There looked fine, looked good, like a rookie, but not like a fifth round rookie. I felt like the pass rush was good enough Four sacks is good. I have four sacks is very good. Even against Deshaun Watson, a guy who likes to hold the ball a little bit longer. I felt like there was a concerted effort to get the ball out quicker. And then the pass rush kind of petered out there at the end. You saw Spagnolo just kind of very content to run some standard stuff up. They were front. tired. They were exhausted, you with guys. Two they,
1: injuries along the they defensive were, line. They were tied. Two injuries and, two and
2: you def- made two defensive ends in that inactive. So you just have a bunch mm-hmm. of young guys out there and then a bunch of guys playing all the reps. It just it was a bad storm to get that pass rush tied quickly.
0: It was. It was. And so it kind of petered out at the end, and that's why you saw, you know, Deshaun Watson able to pick apart the Chiefs secondary a little bit more. But I actually came away from this feeling pretty good about the pass rush. I, I thought that they looked pretty good tonight.
1: Here's, uh, here's something that I think all Chiefs fans should be really excited about. Chris Jones had a one and a half sacks today. He was very impactful in the passing game, um, very disruptive, rushing the passer. And Bill O'Brien didn't even single him out. He singled out Frank Clark. They were having a hard time blocking Frank Clark, and it's undoubtedly true. Titus Howard, Titus Howard versus Frank Clark was like Travis Kelsey versus Justin Reed last year or Travis Kelsey versus Lonnie Johnson last year, or Travis Kelsey versus anyone in a Houston, Texas jersey the last two seasons. Frank Clark, what an outstanding start. And it's so good to see healthy Frank Clark, the guy that, that, you know, Frank Clark battled so much last year with, with his health. You know, he looked thinner at times. The elbow, there was, you know, a lot of, concerns about you know his his ability to feel his hands I think at some point he said something along those lines Frank Clark looks healthy he looks big the motor the effort the outstanding unbelievable effort there you the man looks like you're gonna see a different version of Frank Clark than what you saw last year And a bunch of people are gonna have to delete a bunch of tweets that they had from last season uh, if they haven't already, Matty.
2: Well, that's just it. Bill O'Brien came out, and he specifically said they had a hard time with Frank Clark. And yeah, Frank Clark versus Titus Howard was a mis- mismatch, but you could even see it when Clark was lined up over Laramie Tunsell. They slid protection, or they had Duke Johnson or David Johnson later in the game help protect off that left side, So Like, they were worried about Clark wherever he was. And I'm not... I know that we are kind of seen as Frank Clark fans and we don't like Chris Jones as much. So I'm not trying to say that he was better than Chris Jones, but the Texans <laughs> went out of their way to make sure that Frank Clark was, or the blockers against Frank Clark were getting extra help. And that kind of allowed some of these other guys. Tershawn Wharton had some nice reps. Mike Dana had, Dana had some nice pass rush reps. Chris Jones, these guys had good reps because Frank Clark was getting a lot of slide protections his way because he was playing so well. You noticed most of the big runs, were up the middle rather than outside, and that goes to both Tano Passigno, Frank Clark, Dana when he was in there. Whoever was playing defensive end did a good job holding contain for the most part. So I think Clark did have a really good game, even if a lot of what we want to talk about or we don't see didn't show up on the stat sheet. He had a really good game, and it's good to see Bill O'Brien come out and say that because I thought it was pretty obvious the way the Texans were calling their blocking schemes. I just don't know if it showed up on the stat sheet as much as people are going to notice.
0: The kind of negative parts of all of this, um, specifically the linebacking core and how poor they were today. Sure,
1: let's go. Can to you the can go there. I have let's... another negative, but let's start at linebacker. Do yeah, the sandwich, okay?
0: Mark. I listen, guys. The linebackers were very poor this week. Uh, Anthony Hitchens looked slow. Uh, Damian Wilson did not look particularly good. Ben Neiman got beat up the seam by Jordan Aikens. It did not look good before that either. Even Dan Sorensen kind of playing as that dime linebacker did not look particularly great either. It, It just, that second level was a mess. About the only guy that looked decent was Dorian O'Daniel, and he was in a very, very confined role as a spy for Deshaun Watson and just kind of trailing Watson around the field. It makes you wonder... All the rest of the rookies that got time, specifically Tershawn Wharton and Mike Dana, guys like that that are further down, kind of getting these reps above Willie Gay. What does he need to do? I mean, this linebacker core can't get that much worse. Why not put the athlete out there? I mean, even if he doesn't understand the scheme, at least get some of that speed on the field And that heavy hitting and, you know, the ability to kind of get into a gap and make a play every once in a while. Because right now you're getting absolutely none of that out of your second level. It was just brutal for me to watch. I was kind of hoping that the linebacking core would be a smidge better. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case this
1: year.
2: Man, there were two plays that really highlight this. to me. there's early in the game, there was just a little hitch route over the middle of the field uh, when the Chiefs were in their Buffalo package. Hitchens and Damian Wilson both took a curl zone, hook zone right in the middle of the field. Neither one of them even started to budge towards the tight end, just settling in the middle of the field until he caught the ball. And then Jordan Aikens touchdown over Ben Neiman, where he was not only three steps behind him, but never tried to turn and find the ball. Like, those two things right there, like what what are you doing from a linebacker perspective if you have a guy that is an athlete that can't get on the field over just what those plays look like? Like I get it. He still might need to learn the Willie Gay might still need to learn the playbook a little bit. Maybe he's not fully up to speed, but you can't work him into some reps there in the fourth quarter when you have guys that can't even cover a basic hook curl zone, when you have a guy who can't run the seam against that. A pretty good but not elite athlete at tight end that didn't even put a move on you. Like, I don't see there being anything stopping Willie Gay from being on the field because what he has to surpass to be on the field is such a low bar at this point in time. That was a really bad performance first to run and versus the pass from the Chiefs linebacks. I don't mean to be too harsh, because obviously the defense played really, really well. It didn't end up being a problem. But I think you would have a hard time coming away with three or four really good plays from that whole unit for the entire game.
1: Yeah, uh, I've seen like three or four Willie Gay clips in coverage from training camp. And I already know that he's a better coverage player than any other guy that saw the field at the linebacker position this week. <laughs> and thats I know that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's also kind of true. Um, there's a different level of athleticism with a Willie Gay. Um, there's more fluidity, change of direction ability. Um, I saw some of, like, watching, watching Anthony Hitchens try to make a tackle in open space was painful. And he looked. It looked like it was painful for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's they. They desperately need that injection of athleticism, and they need him to hurry up and get on, get the trust of that uh, staff because they need him to play. And another guy that the Chiefs and Andy Reid needs to put some trust in, or needs needs to develop trust, is McCole Hardman. twenty eight percent of the snaps tonight for McCole Hardman. Not an uptick. I, I made him my player to watch this week because I wanted to see if this was going to be, if, if he's earned opportunities, if he's taken a step in the eyes of this staff, if he's built trust, if we're going to get to see more of him this year, uh, and week one, if is if week one's any indication, uh, no. He was a gadget player, again. Uh, he got one jet sweep for six yards. And you didn't see anything substantial from him, on except for running off, you know, the defense. Uh, very discouraging to see such a limited role from McColl. Uh, but th- that's the answer because Demarcus Robinson stunk. Okay, like he was bad, and he was bad the last time this team played the Texans, and he still outsnapped McColl Hardman tonight. That's rough. That's really rough. That's that's damning. I I really hope this isn't a sign of things to come from a Cole Hardman because you really want to see him be more than just the gadget player and downfield player and special teams pet of Dave Tobe, Matty.
2: Well, and the tricky part is I know Hardman played 12 snaps in the first half, so I don't know what he played in the second half, but he only played 12 in the first half. And that did come with that was during a half where Tamarcus Robinson had one drop in the end zone when Mahomes was rolling left and threw a dart to him. He had the other one that would have been a very difficult catch, and I think the ball was a little late, the deep shot, that he still ended up dropping. like That's two drops again versus the Texans, and the Chiefs still felt more comfortable putting him on the field. The Chiefs felt comfortable putting Byron Pringle on the field at times, which, hey, anytime Byron Pringle sees the field, good things <laughs> seem to happen, so we can keep trying that. McCole Hardman just not getting reps. I think you really saw, they threw a screen, a little tunnel screen to Sammy Watkins with McCole Hardman out there to block, and he completely whiffed on the block. You want to know one of the reasons that Demarcus Robinson plays? That's it right there. You saw the Chiefs start the game. They threw some like downfield wide receiver screens that were just little quick stop routes, spot routes by outside wide receivers with a slot wide receiver running to try to block the corner on them. McCole Hardman can't do that. I don't think he runs the full route tree right now for the Chiefs because he can only play from the slot and off the line of scrimmage. And then you saw the miscommunication, whether it was Tyree Kill or McCole Hardman, I don't actually know. But I think you saw a couple of those last year with McCole Hardman and Patrick Mahomes. there's just it's really hard to trust him to run any route. And then when he's not the main target, being the guy that's gonna block like Demarcus Robinson does or give that effort. And it's really just coming down to the Chiefs feel more comfortable putting inconsistent, less dynamic. Demarcus Robinson on the field because they somehow still find that more trustworthy than what McCole Hardman's bringing at this point in time.
0: They let Demarcus Robinson walk this offseason. Like, this wasn't the plan. McCole Hardman was supposed to take over these reps, and then they brought Demarcus Robinson back in for cheap, and now all of a sudden, he's the guy starting over, you know, and getting the bulk of the snaps over McCole Hardman. It, it's just really rough. I want to see a better plan. I hope maybe it was just something in the game plan this week because, frankly, you do want that dynamic nature on the field. If McCall Hardman is translating the work that he put in this offseason to the field, that guy should be playing because that guy's more dangerous than Demarcus Robinson is. Now, that being said, he's just not on the field. And Andy kind of knows a little something about something. So it's really hard to kind of criticize that. And before we get off of this wide receiver blocking, how about Sammy Watkins? Wow. That cut block. My goodness. That was phenomenal. I mean, Sammy had a wonderful day all day long, but
2: across the board,
0: but that cut block was. Wait, it's something not even the cut block.
2: They beauty. used him. I'm pretty sure he was blocking in line on the Demarcus Robinson second drop in the end zone, and he stood up an edge rusher for a pretty long time while Mahomes rolled out. Like they use Sammy Watkins as a crackback kind of blocker, but they'll have him block the edge on rollouts at times. Sammy Watkins is a phenomenal blocker. So is Demarcus Robinson. And if you look at some of the big plays the Chiefs have, you will find one of those two guys making a block downfield.
1: Uh yeah, Sammy Watkins looked like Week One Sammy Watkins, and he what does. that means is <laughs> the lizard came. <king. laughs> <First week, laughs> the, the sun was out today, see.
2: in Casey, I'm not actually there, so I don't know what the weather was like in Kansas it wasn't. City. It was it was terrible. No, it was uh, gross. It was raining. I, I, somebody tell Sammy
0: Watkins that it's Week One next week. Like, can you yeah. can you put his body into somebody who or his consciousness into somebody's body that believes it's Week One still? Please
1: yeah. or the playoffs. I, wanna, I gotta. Guys, we got to circle back to the McColl stuff real quick. He played 78% of the snaps in week one last year.
2: Tyreek Hill got injured. He
1: yeah, did he did. did get injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, I, I was going to go there. I, I want to give him some fairness there. I just think that's interesting. But look at this. When, McC- when, when Tyreek got back, 15%, 19%, 22%. Finally, 76% against the Chargers. 38, 18, 20, 33. This is McColl. This is McCole year two McColl looks like second half of the year McColl, and second half of the year McCole was fickle, uh, you know, a one big play or nothing. The growth early on does not appear to be there as far as what this team thinks of him. They don't Let's, think that, I don't, if if week one is any, any indication, 28% of the snaps and being out snapped by Demarcus Robinson is any indication, he hasn't taken the step that they think he needs to. Let's what? hope
0: it's game plan. I mean, I, for yeah, the good like, of the team. Let's hope it's game like, plan. It's, it's frustrating. <clears throat>
1: like I, it's it's a very alarming stat so early when you see how bad Demarcus Robinson was.
2: <laughs> I mean, he was, uh, it, he was dropping everything. Listen, I don't dole out a lot of fantasy advice, but if you're in a fantasy league that's not a best ball league and you have McCole Hardman, try to find somebody. That is still wanting to buy high on him. And I don't mean that he's not gonna have big games for the Chiefs. You just don't wanna be the person that has to decide every week if this is gonna be Hardman's game where he has a 60 yard touchdown or if it's gonna be the three or four weeks where he has one catch for seven yards. You don't wanna be in that position where he's on your bench scoring 20 points, but then you start him and he scores zero. You don't wanna be that guy. Get rid of him unless it's a best ball league because it's gonna be inconsistent again until he takes that job from Robinson. And I'm not sold. And even
1: then, it's not like Demarcus Robinson had a billion targets either. It's just – it's always going to be opportunity for him, and that's what we've been trying to tell people. Temper your expectations on McColl. Hope you see a growth. Take a step, but opportunity's got to be there. And Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are eating into that.
2: And you and are never going to convince me that Byron Pringle isn't going to have a couple plays drawn up for him every single week. After I saw him run a deep over and then get a goal line crosser that forced a defensive <laughs> pass interference, but really, if oh my you get rid Marcus Robinson, I'm not sold that Byron Pringle doesn't split some of those reps with Macaulay Hardman. The Demarcus Robinson played because Pringle's shown that he can play a different variety of wide receiver positions than Hardman. Hardman's never going to be a guy that can fulfill all of Demarcus Robinson's reps. So even if you remove him from the equation from poor play, he's still a guy that has a very specific set of usage that isn't always going to apply every single week to every single situation. And you just kind of have to accept that right now. Hopefully he keeps growing as a player. Hopefully he puts, you know, more time into growing as a player than he does his pregame outfits. So that way we don't have to feel like we're sleeping on him and he can take all of those wide receiver three reps or be ready to take Sammy Watkins reps next year so the Chiefs don't have to go find somebody to do that for him.
1: All right, real quick before we get out of here, I think we got to talk about one more thing. Uh, It was interesting to see, and, and these guys became pretty important, Mike Dana and Tershawn Wharton played significant snaps for this football team. I found that extremely fascinating to see a fifth-round pick in an undrafted free agent getting so much time. This was These were my players to watch because I was fascinated to see if this was legitimate or not. Turns out, both of these guys were part of the plan. They were part of the mix. I find that interesting, Craig. And actually, I think they held their own. Yeah, they definitely held their own. Terrell and Wharton looked phenomenal. Like that, you
0: see some burst out of Wharton. That first step is quick. He gave the interior of the Houston Texans some fits. You see that guy out there, and all of a sudden you go, "Oh, that's why the Chiefs kept him. They need another penetrator like Chris Jones in those sorts of situations." And you saw him do that a couple of times, and that was wonderful. Meanwhile, Mike Dana played assignment sound football. He he. Uh, his best play actually was dropping into coverage and taking away a hot route. He, his understanding of spacing and everything around him is the kind of thing that I had seen on film and that he sounded like when I got to interview him earlier this off season, he's a smart kid and he knows how to translate it to the field. It's not one of those situations where he's smart and he tries hard and he just can't get it done. You see a little more than just getting it done. Now, not top end athlete. He didn't look like he was especially threatening to beat a guy around the edge or anything like that when he's rushing the passer, but a smart player that knew where he needed to be, especially in the run game. I was excited to see Mike Dana come out and look good in that role because I think that's his role going forward and has a fifth round draft pick. You guys, that's phenomenal value, especially if he's going to get the kind of reps that he got this week.
2: Tersh and Wharton kind of look like how I think most fans thought Colin Saunders was going to look last year. He is quick off the ball. He's low to the ground. He's got a, he has got doesn't have the best build, but he's got enough girth and mass to him that you do have to actually square him up. You have to frame him well, or he's got the power to rip through you. He's quick off the snap. That's something I think Saunders struggled with last year, was getting off the ball in time. He's quick, but he couldn't get off the ball in time. Wharton was knifing into the backfield. He looked fast. He looked explosive. I'm not saying he was strong, you know, super powerful at the point of attack or anything. He clearly has some growth to go through, but he looked pretty good given that he was thrust in there. And then I'm a little bit more of a wet blanket on Mike Dana than than Kent and Craig are gonna be. And it's not that he was bad by any means. He was very assignment sound. He has very good technique, and I thought that coming out, just there's a lack of juice to his gameplay that really just nags at me. So It was a third and two, he was unblocked, and he did a good job holding contain, except for he couldn't chase the running back out of bounds until he picked up the first down on that third and two. And it's nice that it wasn't a bigger play, but just a little bit of juice. Any amount of explosiveness or lateral agility, I think he can make that play for zero yards, and I just didn't see that. Even on some of his good pass rush attempts, he had a nice inside move. He just couldn't flip his hips and close after he had it, and I think Chris Jones ended up cleaning up that sack a little bit. There's just there is a little bit lack of explosiveness to his game or just agility fluidity through his hips that i think the high end ceiling isn't super high but he's already a functional player at the nfl level he showed that he can play at the nfl right now he's assignment sound he can be used in a variety of roles and he is not a he in any way he is not a negative player on the team as is he is a very solid good rotational player
1: mike dana looks like if you hit on your fifth round pick, mm-hmm. a guy without great athletic ability that does his job, I think that's what, and I think that's a reason to be excited because he is a he he looked like a rotational NFL football player. And again, expectations—that's huge when you're building a roster when you're paying all these guys these big contracts. You need that. You need to hit on these kind of guys. You need to hit on a Legarius Snead, and you need a Legarius uh, Turk Wharton. He looked draftable tonight. Mm -hmm. that did not look like an undrafted free agent that's why these lottery tickets are so exciting to me because you can get into this you can get into this process and stumble into some guys that probably should have been drafted and you're basically accumulating free draft picks if you're smart and disciplined with your undrafted free agents and that's what happened here with tershawn warden that man looked draftable explosive um there's there's stuff there's a lot to work with there and you, you can't normally say that about undrafted free agents, but you can with this guy. Final thoughts, Craig, kick us off.
0: I just want to touch on some numbers real quick here since I did chart during the game. Uh, the Houston Texans spent 22% of the game in empty. Clearly something that they thought that they could exploit with the Chiefs defense there. Didn't really have a ton of success until very late in the game. The Chiefs treated the Houston Texans 12 personnel, that's two tight ends, and 21 personnel, that's two running backs, as if it was 11 personnel. They did not go down to their base 4-3 defense very much at all. All This week, they mostly stayed in their Buffalo package and tried to beat up knowing that the Houston Texans were going to try and stretch the field. They didn't want to put that extra Sam linebacker. So we didn't see too much of Ben Neiman as the base will linebacker because frankly, they weren't in the base. So a couple notes there that are a little bit of switch ups from what Steve Spagnuolo did. He also brought in that three three down lineman two linebacker with Ben Neiman and Dorian O'Daniel on the field together. That was a look that we didn't really see last year at all. So a couple wrinkles. I'm really looking forward to rewatching, getting the blitzes together, but I like what we saw as house bags treated and uh, prepared the game plan this week.
2: We've spent all this time talking about, you know, newcomers, rookies that had somewhat of an impact and looked pretty good and all this stuff. And we have not mentioned Coleccio Simile yet. Now, Here's the thing. In the second half, especially in those short yardage, like very clear running situations, there were some times where Assembly couldn't deal with PJ Hall's quickness or JJ Watt's quickness off the snap. But you find some of those big Clyde Edwards Elaire runs in that first half, especially some of those chunk plays. He's burying players. He's getting defensive linemen out of their gap, of their lanes. He's getting to the second level and taking 255 pound linebacker Bernardrick McKinney three yards sideways into the ground. O'Simley was moving bodies to start the game. He was not bad at pass protection either. He looked very good. I think you did see the Chiefs run a little bit more inside zone. I obviously say I will know more when I go back and chart it. There were still plenty of outside zone. They still ran plenty of the same scheme as last year, but they looked to have a lot more success running in the middle. And I think a lot of that was Andrew Wiley and Kaleccio Simli just being a little bit stouter than they've had last year at that position. Austin Ryder made some nice blocks on the move too, but Kelechi Simli, I think was the star of the offensive line if you were just going to blow it up down to the guys that made the biggest impact. Mitchell Schwartz, Looked like he was working back into the groove of things this year. No preseason for a veteran guy that's maybe dealt with some back or some hip injuries in the past. He looked like he was still getting comfortable. But, Osimile, don't sleep on how good he looked. He looked really good out there, especially as a run blocker. I think that's a guy to keep your eye on if you want to keep seeing Clyde and lair have these big kind of games.
1: Yeah, it was just, it was a very fascinating, dominant, exhausting, annoying you know, execution-based offense for the Chiefs. I I would hate to play this football team. They've just shown <laughs> that they can run the football better than they ever did last season. They really haven't opened it up offensively in the passing game as much as they're capable of doing. They're sitting on some stuff here, boys. It's what, just getting started.
0: What would you grade Patrick Mahomes' game today, Kent?
1: Oh, I just like a B. Yeah. But it was like, it was like one of those, like, it was a strong B. He was just taking what they were giving him. Mm -hmm. He was just, he was just executing it. He was executing and running the offense at a high level. That's really what it
2: was. Yeah. When we were doing our negative segment, kind of a section there in the middle, it's negative. I'm using loosely, but like one of my only complaints is the chiefs just didn't look explosive this week. And I don't think it's their fault. I think the Texans sold out to stop explosive plays. So, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't think the Chiefs are explosive. They just didn't look like it. They didn't seem like they took too many shot plays, and I think that was part of the game plan. The game was never close, so they didn't really need to dig down for him. But Pat ran the offense, and he ran it great for a long time. So, I'm with you guys. I think it's a solid B. I don't think that he was exceptional, especially by his own standards, but I don't think he did anything particularly poorly or even average either.
1: He didn't try to do anything exceptional because he didn't have to. My man, right. I, I will say the touchdown to Kel- Kelsey, the tight view is going to look way cooler than you think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he just kind of, I think he just kind of, you know, took what the defense gave him. It's a really boring answer, but that's a, hey, you know what? I'll take it. This is the, he, they, they just, they just dominated that football team without breaking a sweat. That's yep. really what it was. Right, and one last um, thing.
2: Before we get out of here, I have to ask Kent about how his conspiracy theory about Willie Gay being hidden during our one (laughs) live training camp practice went as Ben Neiman led all linebackers in snaps.
1: I'll catch this L if you'll
2: catch the Trishawn
1: Wharton L. That's all I got to say. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Hey, real quick, uh, Colin Saunders, something that you got to keep an eye on, at Colin, not Colin, not Kalen. He says, I'm coming back like a – f word maniac uh hashtag be back soon i don't know if that means he's done for the year that does not sound positive for next week at least so definitely something to keep an eye on that is going to do it for the arrowhead pride post game show on the arrowhead pride podcast channel make sure you're keeping tuned with everything we're doing here we'll be back with the ap laboratory on monday we'll catch you
2: Listen to that banger as a one and zero team